Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Chronically Courageous. This week, I have with me Paul Fortune. And as an infant, Paul was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. The doctor told his mother that he would never be able to walk and would be completely dependent upon a wheelchair. His mother was not willing to accept that prognosis and went on an extreme search to find the right specialist to help him. Paul has such an incredible story, which we'll hear more about directly from him today. And he has taken what he has learned to overcome adversity. And now as a life coach, he teaches others to do the same. I just love these stories of defying the odds and overcoming because it is just one example of how powerful we truly are if we choose to believe in our power versus what the prognosis is that we've been given. And Paul is a living example of that. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm so honored to be on your show. Thank you so much. The honor is mine. And, you know, I was, we were talking a little bit before we started recording that this is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. So what a perfect time to have you on the show. It just kind of was coincidental, but, you know, nothing's really a coincidence, right? Everything happens for a reason. So here we are. That's right. So in honor of uh, Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month, Paul, I would love for you to start just by explaining to people what it is and how it affects people and, and how it specifically has affected you. Absolutely. It happens at birth. It's lack of oxygen to the brain. And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this is permanent. It, it does not go away and it can affect your speech. It, it affects, you know, everything on one side of the body. And typically it's on the right side of the body. And in my case, when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And my mom was bit concerned because, you know, this infant's not moving the right side of the body. So uh, she took me to the doctors to get some, you know, tests done on what was going on. And they, they found out that I did have cerebral palsy. And at the time they, like you said in the intro, it was so severe that they thought I would never ever be able to walk. And I have to give kudos to my mom about this because she didn't take that diagnosis. She got a second, third, fourth, fifth, finally found somebody willing to, to help me in my situation. Um, but without her, she was my voice. I, I didn't have a voice at the time. I'm an infant. So I, I was counting on her and she, you know, did not drop the ball. She did not. It's amazing. So I got uh, fixed up with a uh, physician that was willing to help, like I said, and that's when my intense physical therapy started. I, I was doing it, um, you know, five days a week, uh, sometimes, you know, just not wanting to go, but, you know, I had to go. 
And I was able to defy the doctor, really don't remember this, but I was able to walk at three. Wow. Um, and which was obviously a great feat. But I do remember being put into soccer when I was five. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I could probably run about 25 to 50 yards. And these other kids are running laps around the soccer field. And I'm feeling so defeated because, you know, I'm, I'm not really fitting in. I can barely, I'm right. just basically standing there. Right. Uh, and I remember saying to my mom, uh, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm, I'm making a fool out of myself. I, I, this is ridiculous. And my mom said, that's fine. You don't have to play soccer anymore, but you have to honor your commitments. So we have to finish out the soccer season. And if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's perfectly fine. And that's actually exactly what happened. I finished out the soccer season. I've never played soccer since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I got my second break uh, when I was about six years old. I got an operation. And this is typical for people with cerebral palsy to tighten up the tendon on my right foot and to kind of give me a little bit more spring in my step. And as a result, kind of took away the pain when I ran. Mm. And it was a game changer for me. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't test it out yet, but I changed schools uh, around that time, right after the operation. And I remember my first day of PE, physical education, we're doing our stretches and the teacher says, okay, now run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards and that's all I'm going to be able to run. And these kids are going to tease me because that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. But because of the operation, it was different. I, I, I went past that point where I always have to stop. And I remember saying to myself, come on, Paul, you got this, buddy. Keep going, keep going. And I, I, I ran the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, 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 yes. It was the first time in my life that I actually fit in. It was one of the biggest feats of my, I know it sounds funny, but it was one of the biggest oh. feats of my life at the time. It just was a game changer for me. It's changed, changed everything up for me because after that, I started to fit in a little bit more and things started to get easy, but I wouldn't consider them easy because things changed again when I uh, transferred schools uh, in junior high, which as you know, is a tough, tough age. Oh, just gosh. come in, right? Yeah. Just to come in as a new kid with mm-hmm. no disability, you're, you're going to get it. It's going to be tough to break into that, that mold because they've already formed their friendships. They already have their cliques. It's hard to just you know, get in there. So I'm a new kid, plus I have a disability. I, I walk with a little bit of limp. I held my right arm a little bit differently than the other, there are kids. So, you know, I'm bullied, teased pretty much every single day. Mm-hmm. And on top of this, uh, during this time, my mom wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where I was at academically. And I must have bombed the thing. Because when I met with my principal and my mom, you know, at a meeting, they said, we're going to put Paul at the lowest level possible mm. and uh, don't expect much from him. He's not college material. Mm. So I have a principal saying that after one test, I'm being bullied and teased in school pretty much every day. I'm going up in my room and I'm crying myself to sleep because I'm sick of this. You know, I'm, I'm just sick of feeling this way. I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't want to be different. Well, I just want to fit in. And uh, I remember midway through eighth grade, something came over me. Uh, my go-to emotions all at the time were anger and sadness. That was my go-to mm-hmm. emotions. And mm-hmm. I knew deep down that really wasn't my go-to emotions. Right. And I was sick of feeling these feelings. And I thought to myself, how could I change things up? How could I start to feel better about myself? 
And I thought, what if I set a goal for myself to distract me from all these, these the sadness and anger I'm feeling with, you know, being teased all the time and, and all this negative energy going towards me. So, so I thought, what if I, I, I made a goal for myself to make my varsity baseball team? And at the nice. time, that was a ridiculous, you know, people thought that was a ridiculous goal. Somebody with cerebral palsy making a varsity high school baseball team? Give me a Good break. For you. That's incredible. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's give it a go. So I played a fall ball, spring ball, winter ball. If I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. I'm just doing this constantly over and over again. <clears throat> and, and the more important thing about this than actually accomplishing the goal was I was changing the energy I was putting out to, to these other kids. Uh-huh. I had my shoulders back, my head forward, my head up. Everything, everything was changing. And as a result of this energy change that I was putting out, it was being received differently. And as a result, they started rooting for me as opposed to bullying and teasing me. So my high school career was much different than my junior high career, all because of the energy change in, in, my, own, in, in my own body, in my own, you know, inside. It was all because of that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the law of attraction. It's like, you know, what you're putting out is what you're getting back. It's, you know, it's so, there's so much truth to that. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time, looking back, that's right. you're hundred percent right. But, you know, looking at my story from, you know, 20 years, you know, 30, gosh, 30 years later, uh, you know, it's, it's different. Uh, you know, I, I can look at it differently. And I'm happy to say I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. And, uh, you know, my la- yeah, thank you. And my, my senior year, I actually threw a three hit shutout. So wow. you know, I, I did, I, I did, I did well. I, it was, it was great. And now I graduated high school, you know, feeling good. Um, and I thought to myself, my base, basically my baseball career was pretty much over and I'm thinking, well, what do I want to do now? I mean, because, uh, I was told six years earlier that I wasn't college material, hmm. So I started to think about that a lot, what that, that principal said. And I started to think about the goal that I accomplished, somebody with cerebral palsy having, you know, making a varsity baseball team. And I thought, wow, that was a, that was a big feat that I did. Yeah. Why can't I do that, you know, going to college? Why can't I be college material? Because throughout my high school career, Bonnie, I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball. I was, right. you know, because what was the point? I mean, I wasn't college material, so mm. why, why try hard? Just just do enough to get by and then, you know, move forward. Right. And uh, so I thought to myself, let's change that up. So I enrolled into a junior college uh, took my 2.0 to 3.5, which for me was a huge nice. feat because I was in the, I was in the math lab every day. I was in the learning. I had a tutor. I mean, I was doing mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff just, yeah. just to, to get up to that level. And I was able to transfer, transfer to uh, a four year university and uh, graduate from there. And I still wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, 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 you're wrong. I was college material. That's right. <laughs> But, uh, you know, thinking, thinking about it, uh, I should thank her for, for saying that to me because maybe I wouldn't have had that motivation to really hit the books as hard as I did if she wasn't, you know, if that, I didn't have that voice inside my head saying I wasn't college material. So yeah. maybe that was the motivation I needed to, to go through school and to, and to do it. So, so I decided not to. And in my head, I, I, I thanked her for, for mm-hmm. you know, what, what transpired. Yeah. Now, I'm, gosh, what am I, 22, 23 years old. I have no life experience whatsoever. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. Um, so a family friend comes up to me and goes, uh, why don't you try becoming a, a mortgage loan officer? Because he was the CEO of a small bank. And I thought, 
I got nothing else going on. Let's let's try it. Let's give it a go. So I, I, I start this position and I am not received very well at all. I, I, I'm, you know, nobody really wants to help me. Nobody really wants to talk to me. Uh, and the reason why this is, is because they knew that I got this job because I knew the CEO of the company mm, okay. and they, they, they knew, they knew it wasn't from the talent that I had. It was ju- just who I knew. So right. they thought I was some spoiled person. I'd be in there for a little bit and they would, they would chew me up and spit me out and, 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 and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was brought back to my junior high days. I hadn't felt that way since I was in junior high where I'm sitting by myself right. for lunch and stuff. It's like a theme. There seems to be a theme here of like, you know, yeah. people, people trying to shoot you down and you rising back up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think back to my baseball days and I thought, well, what attributes could I use for this? Mm-hmm. And, that, uh, you know, so I thought, well, you know, I had my head down and I worked hard and I had a good attitude. So I thought, okay, I can do the same for here as, as a loan officer. So I put my head down, worked hard, had a positive attitude. If anybody needed anything, I got it done right away. I never complained about the workload. And uh, slowly but surely, things were, were coming into place for me. And I remember, uh, you know, it was time for me to go out in the field. And, uh, and the, my CEO thought I wasn't ready yet. And they're like, oh, you're not ready. You know, need more training. I go, I got this. I got this. So I go yeah. out in the field and I fall on my face over and over again. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, the clients were just chewing me up, you know. Mm. I, and, and this was months and months of failing, failing and failing. And I thought to myself, what value could I add to these, these clients? And I start to realize the value I could add. And once they started doing that, things started to click for me. And about two years later, I became a top producer. And all, some of these people that didn't even want to talk to me, you know, two years earlier are now coming to me for advice. So it was a all, all big shift for me. And it, and it was great. And I really enjoyed the industry for, for a long, long time. And then 2008, 2009 hit and the economy just changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put a little bit more regulation on us. Some of it was, you know, some of it was a little over the top, but you know, what can you do? It, it's coming from the government. So you got to do what you got to do. Sure. So I was starting to kind of lose the luster of, of the industry. And, um, about, I don't know how long ago, several years ago af- after that, um, they brought this motivational speaker to talk to our sales team. Mm-hmm. And the guy blew me away. It, it just changed my life. And after the presentation, I went up to him to thank him for the great job he did and picked his brain a little bit. And he said he started as a life coach. I'm like, what the heck is that? A life <laughs> right, coach. right. And he explained to me what a life coach did. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. So I put it out in the universe. That's what I want to do. And on my off time of being a mortgage loan officer, I was getting my coaching certificate. And I was telling people that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a life coach. And people were saying to me, okay, whatever, life coach, get out and get some loans. They were just kind of humoring right. me like this. Yeah, you know, he's not going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I, things started to get real serious. I, I got my website up and, and everything was going on. And the bank I was working at at the time, I, because I switched several times in my career, and, and they were like, what is this business that you're doing? And, like, and I explained it to them, like, this is a conflict of interest. And then the, the legal team came back mm. with like, five pages of what I could and couldn't say and when I could do it, when I couldn't do it. Mm. So I knew that I was not going to get any traction doing both the mortgage, mortgage loan officer and, and doing the coaching. Right. So I, I had to make a decision. What do I want to do? And I thought, well, I really want to do the coaching. So I 
paid down my debts. I made some, you know, sacrifices in my, my spending habits and, and I made that leap of faith. And the crazy thing is when I quit the mortgage industry for a while, a lot of people didn't even want to talk to me or barely would talk to me because they're like, you're a mortgage loan officer. You're not a coach. What is this nonsense right, about? Right. You know, and it was weird because it's like, I'm not affecting anything. I'm just changing mm-hmm. it up. And they're like, mm-hmm. no. And, and, and since then, most of the, most of the relationships, you know, been repaired, but, but for a while it was, it was hard. And here I was now as a life coach, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just throwing stuff off the wall and <laughs> theme is stuck, right? Got to start and, somewhere, and, right? Yeah. Doing videos, doing all kinds of stuff. And nobody yeah. really wanted to trust me at all. Nobody. And, um, and I thought to myself, why is that? Why is that? And then I thought to myself, I'm not being vulnerable. Um, because at the time, the story that I, that I told you, Bonnie, about having cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. I wanted to bury that story. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell anybody that story. I was embarrassed by that story mm-hmm. because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was just fit in with the other kids. I did not want any special treatment. Right. So I didn't want to talk about it. So if any of you brought the story up to me, I would get emotional. Just even bringing it up, even saying the word cerebral palsy would get me emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought though, that how am I, if I'm not being vulnerable with my clients, how do I expect them to be vulnerable with me? They need to know where I'm coming from. For them to want to trust me, they got to know my story. That's right. And once I start doing that, things just started opening up for me. People started to trust me, started getting clients, uh, uh, you know, did right by my clients. And then they they referred their friends. And, and, and then I started my own podcast with another coach and, you know, you know, helping out thousands and thousands of people now. And here, here we are talking on, on your podcast, Bonnie. It's incredible. What a great story, Paul. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, you know, you, you get a diagnosis like that and so many people would just say, all right, well, I, you know, I'm going to live this very like ordinary life and just do the bare minimum because that's, that's what I'm told I can do. And I'm going to be in a wheelchair all my life and all these things. And you, you went on to like, you know, first you defied the odds of, you know, not being able to, to walk and then you walked and then, and then you were, you went an amazing step and became, you know, varsity baseball. And then, you know, and then you went on in business and you, you know, you were told you weren't going to succeed in college and you went into this to form this successful career. So it was like over and over and over again. So what, what is it in you? Because some people, again, would just kind of give up and, and accept, you know, their diagnosis and just say, all right, well, I guess that's, that's what I'm stuck with. That's my life. What was it within you that that made you propelled to everything you've done? What, what what motivated you to do that? It all goes back to my mom. Mm. My mom never gave up on me and would oh. not allow me to give up. Yeah. So that was that was the theme of my life. I mean, it started with soccer. You know that I wasn't good in soccer, but my mom wouldn't allow me to quit. My mom said that you had to honor your commitments, and my mom never ever put limits on me. So because of this. I, I started to say that there wasn't any limits on me. So why not go for it? What's the worst that ever could happen to me? That if I tried, oh, well, it didn't work out. Well, then I'll pick myself up and do something else. And that's been, that, that's been my mantra. But it all started with my mom saying these good vibes my way and telling me that there's nothing that you can't do. And, and that's why I'm the man I am today is because of my mom's tutelage. That's incredible. I'm getting tears in my eyes just hearing that story. I'm, you know, I'm a single mom and I know, you know, it's, it is such an important role to, you know, you can really influence the direction your, your child's life takes. And 
I don't know your mom, but I love her because my God, what an incredible woman to like, you know, to give you that courage and to, you know, give you like your wings and just say, you can do this, you know, there's nothing you can't do. And wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, yeah. and kudos to you because, you know, you, you were the one that had to overcome all these things. And I've been, you know, when you talked about the bullying and things, I, I mean, like I had like a visceral reaction because I remember seventh and eighth grade for me were an absolute nightmare. I was a very, I was a very, very shy kid. And it's funny because now, you know, I'm a podcaster, so now you can't shut me up, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but seventh and eighth grade were, you know, it was a nightmare. I mean, I remember, you know, a kid tried to set my hair on fire. He backed me up against a wall and held a cigarette lighter to my head and, you know, sitting in class and, you know, littler things like having my hair pulled and, you know, being you know, yeah. very tall. So being made fun of because my pants were too short and <laughs> all those things and, yeah. you know, and that stuff hurts and it, you know, and it can really, um, settle in your, you know, your nervous system and make you believe that you're, that you're not able to do certain things. So to be able to overcome all of those, of those things, I just really like my hats off to you for that. That's incredible. So, um, my gosh, you, you gave such a, a good description. You answered so many of my questions already, but <laughs> so let's talk about physical therapy because that's, again, that's something I think a lot of my listeners have probably been through. I have been through ridiculous amounts of physical therapy for various reasons. And, um, you know, it can, it can be frustrating and it can be hard. I mean, what talk about that? Like, did you ever hit, like hit a wall where you were like, you know, I, I, this just isn't working. I don't want to do this anymore. It's just too hard. I don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah. 100%. I mean, when I was very young, I, I was wearing a brace Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids would tease me wearing a brace. Why is this guy, this kid wearing a brace? They didn't understand why I'm wearing a brace and, yeah. and having to wear these orthopedic wooden shoes. I mean, you know, I was standing out that way. So yeah, yeah, force up. Exactly. It's just like force up. Yeah. It, well, yeah. yeah that, that's a good analogy. Yeah. It was like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and it, I was doing it so often I was doing it five days a week, you know, Mm-hmm. for a couple hours a day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was definitely days where I'm like, I want to go. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And they, you know, and the nurses were awesome, but they were tough. Mm-hmm. They were extremely tough on me. They, you know, I couldn't get a break. I had to do this. I couldn't play. I had to do it, you know, with the rubber band things that I had to do and uh, go in the pool and swim. I mean, it was just nonstop, you know, till I was like age 10, I was doing this. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was several times I wanted to, wanted to stop. Yeah. Yeah. But you kept going. Was that yeah. was your mom encouraging you? Or is it just something inside you that said, I'm going to, I'm going to defy, you know, what people say I can do and, and go further? Well, I think at that age, uh, it was a lot my mom than me, uh, you know, because I'm, you know, five and six years old at the time. Yeah. So I really needed that, you know, that, that, that somebody to grab me and say, get you, you need to get doing this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if it happened to me now, yeah, obviously it would probably be more me than my mom. Right. But uh, at the time, yeah, I needed my mom to kind of just, you, this is what we're doing. I don't care. You're, you're crying, mm-hmm. screaming, screaming. You're getting in the car and we're going. And and then once I was there, it was all good. But but yeah, I, I hit walls several times. Yeah. But you, you had this kind of recurring theme we talked about of, you know, you'd be given another challenge. And again, you'd overcome it, like, you know, how, you know, being able to play baseball. So like, that couldn't have been easy. I mean, you know, it's, it's challenging enough to get on a varsity team when you have, you know, your full 
abilities, but then when you have a disability and then on top of that, you're trying to do this, you know, really high level of sports. So at that point, your mom's, you know, not as much of an influence. You're, you know, you're old enough to kind of make your decisions. So like, how did you get yourself through those challenging times when, you know, you probably looked at other people and said, oh, they, you know, it's so much easier for them. And I have to work twice as hard as everyone else to do this. So what was it? How did you kind of motivate yourself to, to get through that and rise up? Well, when I first made the goal, it was very, very tough um, because I've told people that 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 was my goal and people mm. laughing at me like, what are you doing? Cerebral palsy, no way. Um, uh, but again, though, I had some good coaches. I had some good coaches that saw that fire in me, that saw that, you know, that fire in my belly and they would work me. They would work me hard. I would stay after practice and I would work hard and they would encourage me if I was down or, or, or from, you know, having a bad day at baseball or whatever. Mm they were the first to lift me up. So I had some great uh, people around me to support me through it. Good coaching uh, that, that were rooting for me too. That would, you know, come to my games, you know, when I was in a, a JV high school, they were rooting for me. So, yeah. so I, I had people, I think that uh, in life, I think that having people surrounding yourself with great people to lift you up is, is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. You know, don't feel like you have to do it by yourself because there's so many people that are willing to help. You just got to kind of ask for it. And, and um, thankfully, I had some great coaches that, that uh, wanted to make it a reality for me. And, uh, and I put in the hard work. That's awesome. And that's so true. I just kind of want to point out, you know, what you talked about, the people you surround yourself with is so important. They, they say that, you know, the five people that you surround yourself with the most is who you become. So, you know, we can, that goes both ways. You can surround yourself with the people that are, that are negative and the naysayers and like people, you know, you're not going to do this. There's no way you can't, you know, and put those limiting beliefs on you or the people that lift you up and, and give you that confidence and, you know, and root you on. And, you know, and I found that, that makes all the difference. I mean, you know, it's so easy to, when you're, when you're in a a negative spot, it's very easy to fall into those patterns of like being around other people that are in that negative place. And then you can just commiserate and talk about how, you know, sad your life is, (laughs) or you can choose to surround yourself with a bunch of, you know, people like yourself that are extremely uplifting and inspiring. And, you know, and therefore you, you know, you're just, you're just the energy feeds off of, off of itself. So um, that's awesome that you had those kinds of people in your life. So like, talk to me, you know, I see you online all the time. You're doing your, you know, you do a lot of Facebook live videos and you're always very motivating and inspiring and you just have like this beautiful heart. You talk about, I think you had a video this week talking about, you know, doing something like a random act of kindness. So like, talk about like your daily routine. What do you do to keep yourself in that, that positive space? Yes. So this is what I tell my clients to do. And I I do this uh, every single morning. And it's very, very important that that I do do it. Otherwise, it puts it doesn't put me in the right spot. So before I grab my phone to look at my social media or turn on the radio or do whatever I have to do in my morning routine, I take a few minutes to think about what is going well for me right this moment. It could be, you know, a you know, great client call the day before, uh, a, you know, vacation I'm looking forward to, whatever it is going on in my life. And even if I had a bad day, it's, hey, I'm alive and I get to I, I get to go again today. That's right. And yeah. by doing that, I set my day up for success. 
because I could get something on my phone that says free coffee up oh, the day keeps building because I'm starting to look for all the positive things that can happen during the day because I could go that you, you talk about it. Uh, you can go the opposite way, right? You can go negative, right? I could be driving to work or wherever and I get a flat tire and I go up oh, just my luck. This would happen to me. Bad things do happen to me. And I would say to myself, if I said that, I go, yeah, bad things happen to you because you're looking out for those bad things. Mm-hmm. How many times were you, buy a new car and all of a sudden you're driving around and you see that car all over the place. You didn't see it before, but now you do. It's because your mind's looking out for it. It's the same thing with the positive and negative mindset. Same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I love that. So, you know, a lot of people in this community have been given diagnoses where they're told there's, you know, like, like yours, like you're going to be in a wheelchair forever, or, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, succeed in, in work or whatever, whatever the, the limiting thing is. So, you know, for people who are convinced that there's no way that they can heal, there's no way that they can get past this diagnosis. What advice would you give to those people? I would say almost the same thing I just said earlier, stop focusing on what, what you don't have and focusing on what you do have. Stop, you know, you have a diagnosis that's telling you this X, Y, and Z, what is good right now? Oh, my brain is good. Okay. I can read. Oh, you know, I have a good family. Okay, well, I'm going to lean on my family. Think about all the good things that you can do and, and think about what you can do, not what you can't do. Yeah, It's extremely, extremely important. I know it's not easy, but, but if you do do that and you're intentional with doing that, things will get better. Yeah, definitely. Good point. Good point. Are there any, you know, we talked about gratitude. I know, and I'm huge, huge, huge on gratitude. I start my day a similar, a similar way with gratitude, journaling, meditation, lots of other things. Um, What other tools would you say that people could implement like starting today, just something, you know, something really simple that they can do to just make their life in a better, be in a better direction? Well, the important thing on anything that you want to do, anything that you want to accomplish, whatever it is, it all starts with you. It all starts with loving yourself. If you do not love yourself, it's going to be a long, long road. Mm-hmm. So whatever you want to do, you need to work on yourself. You need to love yourself who, who you are right this moment. Not, not in the future, not in the past, right now. You need to love yourself right this moment. And you can do various things. One of the things that I like to do, you said a simple thing, is if I'm having a rough go of it, I look in the mirror and I say, I deserve love and I'm going to give love. And I have my superhero pose and I look right and right in the mirror and I do that. And instantly I, I change my mood. But once you start to really believe in yourself, sky is the limit. Because now you're not going to worry about that, that noise that other people are telling you that you can't do this or you should do that. If you start to love yourself, you'll have the confidence going, what do they know? They, they don't know me. I, I know myself. I'm going to go after it. And another thing that we do on a regular basis, and, I, and I'm guilty of this too, is we have these negative thoughts that come in our head. And yeah. we need to remember that just thoughts, they're not reality. And, uh, you know, spend a day writing out all your thoughts. And if, if a lot of it's negative, that's okay. Now, you can, now you're realizing that you're saying these negative thoughts. And now, when you, now that you come up with these negative thoughts, you're aware of it. And you can replace it with a positive thought where if you look in the mirror and go, you know what, I'm getting fat. Well, the next thought is, you know what, 
I'm going to, I'm going to guarantee that I'm going to give myself time to go for a walk after work or after I get my activities done. And I'm going to eat a, a, a healthier lunch. And, and after I do it, I'm going to feel so good about myself because I accomplished that. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's a daily struggle. Once you, and, and, and the thing that I worry about some of my clients, they, they say they got this. I don't like that when they say they got this. Uh, no, 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 you don't got anything. You know, every day, it, it, you know, every day we got to practice this because there's going to be something that's going to happen in our lives. They're going to just knock us off that mountain. Mm-hmm. And we need, you know, so we need to be you know, prepared for that. And it's all about that gratitude piece. Yeah, no, I love that, Paul. So, so like, if you, if you look back on your life and all these different challenges that have been put before you, would you, would you change any of those things? Would you, would you make your life easier if it could be? You know, it's funny. Uh, I have a statement on my, my, my podcast, Actions and Limits, Ask Paul Anything, where people ask me different questions and I answer it. And one of the questions was, do you have any regrets? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, and not in a conceited way at all, but I really don't have any regrets at all. Uh, I've pretty much done everything that I wanted to do. I mean, I've fallen. I've failed quite a bit. You know, I, I haven't definitely not been perfect. I've been angry. I've been sad. I've been, you know, every emotion in the book. Uh, but I can honestly say that, that I've done everything that I wanted to do. I mean, the only thing I could say is uh, travel. But I can do that. I mean, yeah. in tra- you know, travel. I can, you know, and I, I've hit a lot of places in the United States. Maybe I'll make a goal to, to, you know, start going abroad. But I mean, other than that, I, I don't have any regrets. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like, I, you know, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, like all the, the challenges that I've had in my life, they brought me to exactly where I am today, which is an amazing, beautiful place. And I wouldn't change any of it because I feel like, you know, we've been given this, this education that we can't get in school. I mean, you know, this, this kind of having to go through life and having to really learn by trial and error and, and, and making our way through and climbing up some really tough hills and stuff. And that, you know, and that, that does make a fire in our bellies. Right. I mean, like we, you know, because we've been told we can't, we want to do it that much more. Right. Yeah. But I, I want to do it for me. I, I don't really look at competing with anybody because mm-hmm. what's the point? You don't know what their finish line is and you don't know where their starting point was. Right. So I, I, you know, I try my best just to ignore that. And if, if I feel like somebody's ahead of me, I ask for help. I say, you know what, how do you do that? Because mm-hmm. I want to do that. And most of the time they're going to help you because they feel flattered that you, they, you think so much of them. Right. No, that's great. And that's a good, a great way to look at mentors. You know, if you, if you see somebody that has what you want, you know, that's a great way to start. Look at what they're doing and ask what they're doing and ask for, ask, ask for some guidance. That's definitely great advice. So Paul, as you know, the name of the podcast is the chronically courageous. So, and you've certainly had to show some courage through your life. How do you define courage? Self-love, hmm. love yourself. And when you love yourself, you'll have the courage to do whatever you want to do, because if you believe you will achieve. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You're such a motivator. I love it. <laughs> where, where do we hire you? Okay. So let's talk about that. Where do we find you, Paul? And what, do you, what have you got going on? Talk to us about that stuff. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is a call to action.coach. That's my website. You can uh, set up an appointment uh, on the website 
I even have my cell phone on there. So if you want to call me and we can set up a free consultation, I always do a free consultation to make sure that we're fit for each other. Cause I work with a lot of amazing other coaches that, you know, that do different things or experts and other things. Cause there's been a lot of times where, you know, I have an amazing person on the line with me and they're awesome, but I feel that they're not a fit for my type of coaching because they would fit another coach even better. And I explain exactly why that is. I don't just say, well, I don't want to work with you. I explain exactly why they, they would be a better fit. Um, and, and the same with them. The, the other coaches that I, that I work with, they do that for me too. They feel, oh, you know what? This, this client would be better for you, Paul, because of you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, because I feel like if you do right by the client, things will fall into place for you. And that's, that's my focus. If I yes. do well by my client, then everything else will go into play. And I'm working on a, a free guide that it's going to be on my website uh, fairly soon, probably in, in April. Um, it's, a, it's a guide on how I was able to rewrite my own story, uh, a guide on how you can rewrite your own story, your, your personal story, and third, how to maximize your day. So I'm excited about having that uploaded on my website very soon. Mm, I love that. And your podcast, um, what the name of your podcast is? Yeah, my podcast is Actions and Limits. And we bring on uh, amazing guests that talk about their ups and downs. And uh, we learn a lot from, you know, from their ups and downs. And, and hopefully people can go, you know what, now I know I don't need to make that mistake because I just learned from that from that person's journey. And that's the whole point of that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, you talked about the guide with the kind of rewriting your story. Did you know there's something I actually was listening to a seminar about a week ago and there's something called narrative medicine now where people, you know, they actually, it's the whole basis of it is like healing yourself through rewriting your story. So I think that's so cool. Can you talk a little bit more about like, you know, how people can rewrite their stories and the effects that can have on their lives? Well, I think a lot of us have these, we talked about these limited beliefs, these negative thoughts that ourselves that we're not good enough for this reason. We're not, you know, we're not up to par or whatever. And that's a lot of nonsense. You are, you are worth it. You are, you can achieve it. You just got to change your thinking. So it's, it's all about rewriting your, your thought patterns that, you know, that you can do it. And then the, the second piece of it, is that that fear of failure, which goes back to that negative thinking? Oh, if I fail, it's I'm going to be the laughing stock. No, you're not. It all starts with our thought pattern, and we got to change that. That negative thinking that we think to ourselves, we got to first stop that. Be aware of those thoughts that you are worth it. You can make that work, right? And then once we get there, then the next thing is, well, you know, again, back to that negative thought pattern, that fear of failure. I don't want to do it because. I, I'll be the laughing stock, or or I don't want to fail, or or this and that. Then we, we need to look at that. Going really, what's the worst that could happen if you do fail? And it normally it's not that big a deal if you right. think about it. And to rewrite that that thought pattern, stop thinking about what can go wrong, and think about what can go right in that 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 path, mm-hmm. that thinking, right? And then the third is. Stop worrying about what other people think about your goals or your desires. It's not their dream. It's yours. Yeah. You know, and, and once you get going, the right people will come along and support you on, on the path that you want to go on. So all, all that's in the guide and, and a whole lot more. Love that. I can't wait to get it. I'm going to sign up as soon as it comes out. I'll be watching for it. <laughs> I appreciate wonderful. that. Sounds wonderful. Well, Paul, um, anything else you'd like to share before we completely, before we wrap up? 
Yes, I want your viewers to know that every single person in this world has a special talent. And it's up to us to discover what that talent is. And once we figure out what that special talent is, share it with the world to see. Mm, that's great. I love it. And you are so right. Well, I am just honored and um, so happy that you came on to the podcast, especially being that it's Cerebral Palsy Month. This is, again, perfect timing. So I want to really thank you for your time today, Paul, and for the difference you're making in the world. It's really inspiring. I enjoyed our conversation. I hope to come back soon and talk again. I would love it. Absolutely. Thank you. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.